Joe B's is only $99 for a big six-month supply with free shipping, and you get a seventh month free. That's less than 50 cents a day for energy and to feel great. Go to JoeBees.com. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Gang, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. I mean, I don't really know that I need to say the Wednesday edition. I mean, it's Wednesday. Undoubtedly Wednesday. It is the show. I mean, I could just say, hey, welcome to the show. And so I will. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. Uh, this is the show that talks about all things important in the world, the barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct, as we always do, from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. At last check, it is now, believe it or not, finally proclamated by the mayor of Cleveland, Ohio, as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Thank God. Now I can just say also the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Cleveland, Ohio. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your hump day. And we have a jam-packed hour for you. If you want to jump... What are you laughing at? 12-year-old laughing at me. Because I said hump day. All right, perf. If you want to get a heads up on the show, um, not necessarily tonight, because I didn't get one out for uh, this particular Wednesday show. Uh, but you can sign up for the newsletter at the Barbecue Central Show, which is pretty much where you can find anything else about the show that you want. You go to the main web show or site, right? the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. You going to bed? Come over here. This kid just loves to get on camera. All right, good night. Uh, you can find out anything you want to know about the show. You can find out how to sponsor the show. You can find a little bit more about me. You can find an extensive list of archives. You can find the Ask a Doctor Barbecue link that is now up there page-wise. Sponsors, links, all that stuff you can find right at the website, thebbqcentralshow.com. Once you get on the main splash page, off to the top right, there's a little thing that will ask you for your email address. That's the newsletter. Uh, that technically goes out every Tuesday, and I just kind of got to get into that habit to also drop one out on Wednesdays as well because we're doing it twice a week now. Coming up on the show in about 12 minutes from now or a little bit sooner, depending on what I have to talk about. Ray Lampy and his weekly Ask a Dr. Barbecue appearance. Hello. And if you would recall, a number of weeks ago now, back when the show was only one day a week, we were also doing, oh, not where we were also, but we were doing a fundraiser for Operation Barbecue Relief. They were holding a class, which actually transpired this past weekend at the American Royal, Hog with a Heart. It was a $1,500 entry fee. Uh, you had to get the, yourself there. 
hell is going on with my earpiece? Uh, you had to get yourself there, but once you were in, you know, I mean, if you, some people probably uh, were just going to be competing so that, you know, maybe they bought into the, I don't know exactly how it was. However, on this show, uh, we offered it was like $27 a ticket or whatever it was. Uh, we did it for three, four weeks. And once we hit the threshold, we were able to draw a winner. And one of those winners was Phil McCrane. And then, uh, out of the vast kindness of his heart, David Marks, who is the marketing and uh, social media guy for Operation Barbecue Relief, said, this has been a great success. Uh, we raised just shy of 500 bucks, which to me was disappointing, i got to be honest. But 500 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever. So we sent that over. He said, you've been such so great to work with and partner with the show on various different opportunities, and you've had... You know, Stan and Jeff on at uh, various points in time when big things have been going down or big things are coming up with Operation Barbecue Relief. Draw another name. So we actually did two winners for that fundraising event. And Kent Wheelis, longtime Centralite as well, was uh, in the mix for that. So two people got to go to the Hog with the Hard class, saving a total of $3,000. Which, you know, on one hand is tr- tremendous savings. Um, on the other hand, again, a little disappointed with how much we were actually able to, you know, generate. Would have liked to have at least paid for one class. But whatever. Dave's good with it. Dude's loaded. So we're, I said, hey, if, when, if you win, you know, the stipulation was you got to get yourself there no matter what. But once you're in, you're in. You're going to get wined and dined. You're going to get all this uh, great whole hog information. It's going to be fabulous. And... Uh, the caveat to all of this, aside from getting there, is you're going to have to come back on that following uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, it was going to be Tuesday, but you have to get come back on and talk about your experience on the show. So uh, Phil and Kent both locked in for the last part of the show tonight. And uh, we'll kind of recap what their experience was at the Hog with a Heart class at the American Royal. I believe Phil actually competed. Kent maybe did too. Uh, maybe Kent did not. Um, but I believe... At least Phil did, because I saw him pulling a cooker as he was leaving. Got a bunch of p- 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 got a bunch of pictures that we can look at as well while we're talking. So uh, really looking forward to kind of getting the recap on all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, what else can you say? Operation Barbecue Relief coming through strong in a great way uh, and on many different levels. All right, if you missed the show last night, you should go back and grab the archive we talked with Darren Worth from Iowa Smoky D's. We talked about his big win at the American Royal Open portion. Tuffy Stone won the Invitational. However, uh, he's evidently unavailable for the show anymore. Bad karma there. Bad karma. Um, Darren kind of broke down the weekend, uh, how their year is going. Maybe some new trends that he is seeing, some things that maybe he is not a fan of as it sits with Competition Barbecue right now. So uh, definitely go back and grab the archive. You can subscribe to the show through iTunes. You can uh, get the feed right there on the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. For ease sake, you can just go right to that website and get the archives. Just click archives so you can listen to it audio-wise. I also put the show up on YouTube video-wise, as you, if you're watching video. Um, you can see it right here. And then you can also get it on Roku, you know, those IP televisions. So, you know, you can get the show. If you miss anything on the show live, you can always get it in some form of replay or podcast. Indubitably, you can get it there. So go back and check out Darren's interview. Then we talked with Fast Eddie, Ed Marin, from pelletcooker.com. 
And, you know, for him, it's it's trade show and a cooking event, although he himself admittedly was uh, kind of uh, down in the calls, down in the ranks of overall finishes. Uh, then we talked with, at 10-14, we talked with Dave Bosco, who finished fourth overall in the Invitational. And we closed out the show with Fred Bernardo of Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, a proud sponsor of this show. Uh, so is Dave, by the way. So, again, if you missed it, grab it. Go get the archive. You won't be disappointed. And I think you'll be uh, very happy with uh, how the whole thing will transpire for you. There you go. All right. Uh, let me quickly remind you, if you are somebody that has a barbecue or grilling service or product or something ancillary around that deal, it doesn't have to be, you know, focused on, you know, anything specific. You know, if you're looking to get into a uh, what we call target marketing, this show is something that should capture your attention. We broadcast, we podcast to a audience that is really into barbecue and grilling. Anything that has to do with it. Even jewelry. And if you have always thought about ways to get your product in front of a vast audience, somebody that is achieving, you know, 40,000 plus downloads a month, uh, somebody that is getting, you know, anywhere from two to 300 live connections every, uh, every night he does the show live. You know, this is a vast array of people, a, an eclectic group or bunch, if you will. And uh, it's for what I could charge, it's a nominal fee to join. It's month to month. There's no long-term contract. So if you want to try it out for a month, it's not going to break you. Uh, you're just going to get a lot of exposure. Can I guarantee sales? Absolutely not. I can guarantee reads. I can guarantee logos. I can guarantee me being very excited to partner with you if you meet my requirements because I don't just partner with anybody. It's not just about the money with me. It's about integrity and honesty. That's why most of my advertisers have been with me really since the beginning. So if you're interested, drop me an email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. That's greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. I'm happy to talk with you on the phone, correspond through email. We can do a Skype call, however you want to do it, and I can fill you on the specifics of what it takes to partner with the show. You'll be very happy with it. You probably... You might think like everybody else, short-term thing turns into a long-term thing. You tell me. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. We're back with uh, Dr. Barbecue with his weekly segment coming up right after this. Give me a second to reset, and then we will be good to go. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, we are back. 877-448-0433 is the phone number. If you want to jump in, uh, email greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Those are the uh, two ways to get in touch with me. You know, I'm hoping next week we have, you know, the really produced blah, blah, blah intro uh, that I'm hoping for with graphics and all that stuff for the good doctor here. But why don't we go a little old school here and uh, bring it back here? You know what I'm talking about. Here it is. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ask Dr. Barbecue. Ray, how are you, buddy? Good. I am uh, very happy to uh, have you in here. Now I'm going to have to redo this goddamn screen. My computer shut down last night, 
in between uploading the Tuesday show. Every once in a while, it decides that it wants to uh, do some type of a, a, a wacky, I'll shut down, I might be overheated type of a thing. It's very odd, but uh, nevertheless, uh, we got you back in here. We got your graphic back up, which is uh, most important. Uh, now, look, I'm no, uh, let's call it detective, Ray, but I'm going to guess you are on the road somewhere, potentially in a hotel room. Am I correct in that assumption? Yes, I am. Right, I'm so, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, the dirty South. Oh, my God. It's so fun to be here. People are so nice, and the food is so good. I love Louisiana. What What are you doing down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, exactly? I am in the midst of cook-off before kickoff. Uh, we did, I don't know if I told you about this thing, we did 125 recipes for a bunch of college football teams and pro teams, and then we shot 170, 107 of them on video. Cookoffbeforekickoff.com is the website where it's all at. And every week we match up to it. And it's Sam's Club is involved. So that's what we're doing now. We're out in the field. where We were at three Sam's Clubs this week in Baton Rouge because there's a big game, LSU versus the Gators. Yeah. So we're sampling the two recipes, the Gator recipe and the LSU recipe, and just hanging out in the parking lot at Sam's Club. It's a blast. But, I mean, it's actually not always that glamorous. We're going to be in Columbus, Ohio in two weeks won't be nearly as glamorous as baton rouge oh but. hey pal that's buckeye country last i checked uh, we are undefeated how about how's the uh how's the lsu tigers feel right about now yeah well i don't know they're pretty excited around here but i you know after the gators beat up on them it's going to be a sad weekend here well when you get we up actually for the game we're just here doing you know it's just a promotion big marketing thing cool thing coke zero my good friends at coke zero are on board and it's a fun project. We're having a blast doing it, um, especially here. You know, Baton Rouge, just anywhere in Louisiana, it's just so fun. The food's so good. The people are so into it. They're just nice people. We're having a blast. And you said you're making, is it a an alligator recipe? No, it's uh, the one recipe is uh, New Orleans-style barbecued shrimp, and that's for the LSU guys. And for Florida, we have fried boneless pork ribs Ooh. with Gator dipping sauce, which is not an alligator recipe. It's just for the Florida Gators. It's uh, it's Hidden Valley Ranch and barbecue sauce and orange juice. See, I'm so programmed with this. I can't say ranch dressing without giving <laughs> you the full brand. Is uh, is boneless pork rib also a, a Western rib that we would find at, at some grocery stores, or are you taking the meat off the bone? Now, it's just the end of the pork loin. You know, I, I don't know if you shop at Sam's Club. If you do, mm-hmm. they've got those flat... You know, they take this the nice fatty end of the pork loin, sort of the tail, and they split it in half, and then they put a couple scores in it and call it a boneless rib, which is kind of ridiculous. Now, technically, that piece of meat used to be right above the baby back ribs, but boneless rib is kind of a goofy thing to call it. But that's where I made the recipe originally. I took them things and just cut them into rib fingers and deep fried them, and then just made this dipping sauce. It's pretty good stuff. You know, I, I mentioned... Uh western ribs what's your experience with western ribs and you know i, don't I think know what, that is. what what is uh, well I, what I, I mean i know what it is western rib is actually it's a, they've taken the the bone out of the pork butt and then they've gone you know up north and south on the pork butt and, and made it look like it's a shape of a rib but anybody that has any type of barbecue i can easily tell that this is a pork butt that has been deboned and and cut into sections, if you will. Uh, that's something you're not familiar with? Well, we see them as country ribs. Yeah, it's, co- it's exactly. It's a problem, right? Yep. Country ribs. Yep. 
because you want to write a recipe for country style ribs and there's actually a few different things that get labeled as country style ribs um that being one of them um but no that's not what i use i actually use that tail of the of the pork loin i mean i like those boneless those whatever you want to call them country style butt ribs or whatever i mean i like them it's just like a pork steak really are you worried about the names of cuts of pork and cuts of beef that it, it confuses people when you hear the term rib thrown around uh, typically people would think that it's got a bone running through it. It's either spare or uh, loin back or baby back rib. But then you see, you know, western rib or country rib or whatever you want to call it, and it's actually not a rib at all. It's a, it's a different, you know, it's pork butt uh, or it's something else like you're talking about with a loin. Do you think that that lends itself to confusion for the consumer? Oh, it totally it does, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, if they could call it a steak or a rib, they could charge more money for it. So I get the idea. But they do this, and local, you know, it's hard for a cookbook author. That's what really bothers me, because as a cookbook author, I want to call it something that everybody can identify, and, and it, you can't always do that. A country rib, again, it can be those those uh, slices of uh, pork butt, or it can be the traditional one would be to bone in that same tail end of the of the loin, cut open to kind of butterflied, and you know, people are buying different things and trying to cook your recipe, and it's hard. So yeah, I, I really don't like that at all. Uh, the pork butt, I mean, that's see, that's part of the 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 thing that uh, I think weren't you railing about the whole porterhouse pork chop and the ribeye chop and the New York chop and all, yep. but that's really part of it is to kind of uh, generate you know get that a little more streamlined to where everybody is using the same names for stuff. But the guy butchers will always do that, try and call stuff a steak or a a rib because they can charge more money for it. Then so they're not going to quit doing it. Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, joining us for our Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. All right, uh, doctor, so let's go into some of these questions. Uh, believe it or not, we're a little UK based here on our questions for whatever reason, but I'm let's. Big uh, UK. I'm we, huge are, over there. we are global. Uh, you're right, you're the big shot over there, no doubt about it. Uh, this one is coming, I hope I'm saying his name right, but I think it's uh, Qon Brown, or it's either Qon or Cuan or something like that. But Q, let's go with Qon oh, Brown because it sounds. Quan? Kewen. All right. Well, I mean, couldn't be a better name, okay. right? Yeah, absolutely. Kewen Brown. Uh, so it says over the last few years, many teams are starting to hit 180 on their servings, i.e., the perfect score. Is there really a perfect barbecue dish? Having competed myself as well as tasted the competition barbecue in the States and now in the UK, it's not something that you would normally serve your family and friends. Guys are packing so much flavor into the food more than a couple of pieces, and it's almost inedible on the palate. Is it something that the doctor agrees with, and does he think there is space in the competition world where the teams don't use forced draft systems, don't use phosphates or injections, all in the same cut of meat, uh, or even the same supplier, kind of uh, leveling the playing field, so to speak? So I guess it's two different questions within there. So let's take the first one first. Is there really a perfect barbecue dish? Well, first let me let me you know get on my soapbox about the 180 thing. Yeah. We went through this once before. I once got a fifth place 180 at Tryon in brisket, and it was just really that's it, really when broke my spirit about that whole thing. It's fun to get those 180 pins, but at some point they're meaningless. And coming in fifth with a perfect score was a little bit disappointing. Because you keep bringing a sixth judge back in, and then you end up with coin flips deciding big money contests. And I think it's a mistake. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll switch over to the, is there such thing as a perfect rib? 
Well, if we were to really get serious about the criteria of perfect barbecue and say that uh, a rib should, okay, we talk a little bit about the rib biting away from the bone, but if we would talk about it should have the perfect mahogany color and it should have a light glaze of sauce and it should be, have a little bit of a smoke ring and it should, we should see little pellets of liquid as we bite into it and whatever, you know, be real specific about the perfect rib. Like some, some criteria in competition is you go dog show judging and there's a perfect uh, schnauzer. You know, like it or not, if yours isn't like that, uh, it's not going to win. And, and oh, maybe someday we'll have that kind of criteria. I don't know that I'm necessarily a fan of that. But if we did, then there could be a perfect rib. Um, with the loose arrangement for judging now, I don't know. I, I think it's a mistake because it really hurts the, the tie-breaking. I know I kind of... Uh, you know, kind of wandered around there with that answer. But is there such a thing as a perfect rib? Yeah, I guess there is. I, But there's not one twice a week in every contest in the country, and I think we're headed that way. All right, the second part of that question was, do you think there is space in competition where teams don't use, you know, a lot of the modern conveniences, let's say? You know, probably like when you first started competing in, like, you, Fast Eddie, Dirty Dick, all those guys, you know, no forced draft systems, not injecting – all using you know similar cuts of meat, not going to the specialty or the artisan suppliers uh, to kind of level that playing field and kind of you know to his point, maybe we've kind of seen a very small reemergence of that in some of those you know back to the basic competitions that we saw towards the end of last year. Well, yeah, it's a nice thing to talk about. However, I, you know, I don't know that we're headed back that way with in the mainstream barbecue competition. No, no way. Was it a mistake to let it get this far? Maybe, maybe it was. I, I remember watching uh, guys with Jeeps on the ESPN one day, and they were going over these big mounds of giant boulders. And, and I saw the guy, he had a spotter showing him where to turn his, you know, talking to him where to turn his wheel. And I thought, well, that's kind of, doesn't seem fair. He should have to drive it. And then the spotter pulled out a rope and hooked it on his bumper and was yanking on it to help him from falling over. And I was like, well, that's, that's just wrong. But in their world, that seemed normal. And I'm sure it, little by little it evolved to that. When I watch a dog show and I see the guy holding up the dog's tail, that just seems like bullshit to me. If the dog's tail doesn't want to be up, it shouldn't be up. Uh, but I think that's the nature of hobbies. It evolves over the course of time, and this is what guys want to do. Uh, should we have put rules in along the way to maybe limit some of this stuff? Oh, maybe. Uh, let me tell you about the first forced air draft I ever saw. It was a guy named uh, Buddy Rogers. Um, not Rogers, what was his name? Buddy and me, Richardson from from ten, uh, Tennessee, Ch um, Chattanooga or somewhere over there. Buddy was a Memphis and May cook, but Buddy was a tinker. He was a pilot and he made stuff. Him and Cliff Weddington uh, of Oinkackle and Moo passed away this last year. Old time barbecue guys. These guys were taking the little fans out of computers and putting <laughs> it down in the bottom of their, they had these, fi these fire rings down in the bottom, kind of like the Jed Masters. And they took the little computer fan out and they bought the little $35 Robert Shaw thermostat and they made the first forced air draft things I ever seen. Matter of fact, Mr. Cliff, I think, had a blow dryer. And he had the Robert Shaw thermostat and the blow dryer, and it would blow on his fire. Well, nobody thought at that point, hey, we better outlaw this. We all looked at it and said, wow, that's pretty cool that they tinkered with that and built that in their yard. Well, now it's become mainstream, and everybody uses them. 
Uh, I can tell you that one of the, when I was first starting, the, the critical thing to learn how to do to cook good barbecue was keep your temperature steady all the time. And it wasn't easy with the pits we had. Now, everybody does it. There's no such thing as if your temperature is all up and down, you don't even have a chance because everybody else there is right on temp. Uh, the phosphates and all that stuff, I don't know. You know, I've been pretty, I've been an evil prick using a bunch of that stuff and taught a whole bunch of people how to use it back in the day. So it's hard to be against it now. Um, Darren, Darren Worthy actually busted me one day. I was bitching about the money muscle thing. And Darren said, well, hell, you're the guy that taught me how to do it. You know, we didn't do it quite as extremely as it did now. I used to butterfly them and you would get a few muscles down there at the end. But Darren, like, you know, kind of bitch slapped me and said, you're the guy that taught me how to do it. Now you're against <laughs> it. So I have a hard time speaking out against it. Oh, do I wish it didn't go quite as far as it has? Yeah, I guess I do. But um, as far as, you know, okay, we've got, let's see, we've got about a thousand barbecue contests where pellet cookers and and injections and stuff are legal. And we've got two or three where it isn't, uh, you know. I don't see that swinging too far anytime soon. Yeah, me neither. Uh, Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy joining me here on the show. Uh, if at a future show you want to submit a question to us, you can go to askdrbbq.com. That's askdrbbq.com. You'll be redirected to the show page, and uh, you can either email me or you can email Ray. You can leave it right there on the post, and we'll mix it into a future show, which brings us to our next question here. Right from John Pierce, a uh, a fellow alcoholic of mine uh, from England, by the way. John taught me the uh, joys of a caiparina. Have you ever had a caiparina, Ray? I don't believe so. No. Oh, I'm, it is it is a very delicious drink. Absolutely. Um, so he wants to know first and foremost, and as somebody like yourself who has kind of seen the evolution of UK barbecue, uh, how do you see it right now? Is it something that you know reminds you of a a Western United States 10, 15 years ago? Is it maybe a little bit more advanced than that at this point? How do you see the U.K. barbecue scene right now? It's really interesting to see uh, because, yes, I see it very much over the last few years uh, the same, except it's moving so much faster. It took us 20 years to get to all of this uh these guys already are starting to bring i just saw a spice wine cooker arrived in england the other day uh the first one you know this didn't exist when i started so the evolution took 20 years that i saw these guys it's taken about three and they are up to speed on everything um i did a class there did the first ever barbecue cooking class in in england uh, a year and a half ago and I showed them all of this stuff, you know, and so they were all kind of aware of it, the phosphates and, and of course, the blues hog and the things that we were using over here and the, the ridiculous chicken poaching thing. <laughs> and But they'd all heard about that already because of the Internet, of course. You know, you got to remember 20 years ago, we also didn't have the Internet. Yeah, correct. So yeah. I had to actually drive to Kansas City and see Fast Eddie to talk barbecue with him. Uh, I guess I could call him, but it wasn't like the Internet now where we have so everybody has so much access to everything. So, I, I yeah, I do see it developing much like it did here. Um, I also see, you know, a few different factions and some bitch fighting going on. But that's the nature of it. It's always going to be uh, uh, there's a lot of good folks over there and, and they all have good intentions. They're all really trying to get it going um i think it's got a real bright future and i'm happy to get over there as often as i can 
Um, I, I think it's you know it's just different because it's a different time and the the way they can speed it up. I'm a little disappointed though because you got to remember we we all a lot of the guys you know my contemporaries we really learned how to cook barbecue the old school way. Yeah. Uh, before we we bastardized it with all that stuff, I worry that a lot of these guys are cutting right to the chase. You know, there's some guys over there have been cooking barbecue for a long time. Andy Ann, it's an old old friend of mine. Andy's been cooking barbecue for a long time and knows how to cook real barbecue. And not that a whole bunch of those guys don't, but they're cutting right to the chase. They're they're you know starting out with uh, much like a, a lot of the new wave of of competitors here are. Yeah. They just they don't have to learn how to cook barbecue on an open fire and. And on a drum or any of that stuff, they buy a self a, a high tech pit. They get them some phosphates. They get them some blues hog, and and they're in the game right away. And that's what's happening over there now. How it'll evolve, I don't know because the truth is the food over there they don't like things as sweet as we do. So I don't know that blues hog is a really good idea over there. But I mean, I don't know what's really winning yet. I think though it'll find its way though. There's no doubt. I think we'll see competitors creating products over there that do fit their palate and that do win um you know i think it, it's it's got a long way to go but they're, they're having a lot of fun and i really i'm happy to be part of it i think it's great i, I love seeing it uh, second part of john's question is most of the beef sold in the uk is generally dry aged and from what he's seen on u.s tv shows regarding barbecue He's noticed that the meat has been wet aged injections are not readily available in the uk apart from injecting how can you keep a dry-aged brisket moist after a long smoke? Oh, gosh. Foil. Uh, Duh. Well, yeah, foil. <laughs> I mean, that's the easy answer. But the, the briskets I've seen in the U.K., uh, it's just a different shape as well. Wow. Uh, um, it's a it's a very different-looking piece of meat. It's much bigger and flatter and, and thinner and and it's it's hard to find one with the fat cap on. I know they're developing sources there. A lot of the guys are, and it's evolving real fast. Same thing, like I was saying, it's evolving fast. Uh, but the dry aging thing, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen a dry aged brisket over here. I don't know where you would get one. I, I know guys have tried to do it themselves. The the reason is most of our beef comes in boxes from yep. the gigantic plants, and yep. and there's dozens. So, except for the stuff they get from here, frankly. So, oh gosh, I don't know. The cooking method, it's very different. I, I, there's some guys over there. John Hargate is a, an, another old school barbecue guy over there, John. And, and he talks about it a lot, that cooking briskets in the UK is, is very different than cooking the briskets that, are, that we get here. Um, it's very different. I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know what to do with them things over there. Yeah, I do exactly what you said. When I, I, I had a deal, Creekstone Farms shipped over 30 briskets for that class I was doing <laughs> last year. And they had to go through Monaco. And they showed up at the place where I was doing the class. And I saw a picture of the refrigerator with all the meat in there. And I was great. I get there. And they screwed up. And the briskets were still in Monaco. And they shipped 30 eye of rounds, which were oh. useless to us. <laughs> we cooked a couple. You can make a lot of jerky with 30 eye of rounds, right? For lunch, but they were useless to us. So we, we scrambled and got some British briskets. Huh? I said, you... We scrambled and got some English briskets, and they were just uh, they were just thin and dry. And what yeah. I did was we smoked them for a little while and wrapped them right away yeah. and put a good hit of like uh, beef broth in there with them. Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy joining me here on the show. DRBBQ.com, his website, if you have a question for him. AskDrBBQ.com. That's AskDrBBQ.com. 
Uh, last one before I let you go here, Ray. This one is an email coming in from Owen Lilly. Please share the secret of your famous garlic baked beans. <laughs> I'm guessing maybe there's uh, garlic. I don't know. Owen, maybe I'm reaching on this one, but, you know, what can I tell you? That question comes from Owen's evil bastard brother, Chris. Really? Um, yeah, we were in Seattle one day a long time ago. Me and Chris have done a lot of fun stuff together, and we were we were doing we were out there with Rick Nog. Uh, gosh, this goes back. You got no, wait, Ray. Let me interrupt up. just for you a second. Are you saying that Chris Lilly sent that question in? Well, I'm saying he's an evil bastard. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, and he probably had something to do with it. Yes. All right. Well, shout out to Chris Lilly if you're listening on a Wednesday show. Holla. Owen's right. brother. I don't know if you know that. Owen's Chris's Who knows? brother. Go ahead. And uh, so we were, me and Chris were out in Seattle. We're doing a, a, a so we did a barbecue class at Rick Nog's house, and we partied there for a few days. Ed Royce was there, and Carolyn Wells, and and then we did a cooking school, and then we cooked in the contest. And we did the cooking school one day. We cooked in the contest the next day, and won three out of the four categories. Uh, cooking together, me and Chris and Jim Minion. But in the interim, we had to go on the NPR station in Seattle and talk about... Uh, Is that Chris Lilly calling in right now? No, actually, it's Chris Capel. <laughs> <laughs> Dizzy pig. Uh, I'll see him this weekend at Inktoberfest. Anyway, we're going on the NPR station, and Rick Dog's wife makes this food for us to take to the station. And we get there, and we've got some pulled pork that looks good, and we've got some baked beans that have, like, a ridiculous amount of, of dehydrated garlic in there. It, it just looks horrible. It looks like sesame seeds in it or something. It just looked nasty. And we, we're in the lobby looking at the food. Chris and I were like, oh, my God, they're going to eat this and think we it was we made this. Because you wouldn't put a shitload of garlic in your beans anyway. But it was like, so we get in the NPR studio and we're talking. And it's very funny because the guy talks like an NPR guy. And Chris <laughs> doesn't want any credit for these beans. So he immediately early on says, Ray, why don't you give them your recipe those special garlic beans? <laughs> completely screws me. And I had to claim the beans, which sucked. So that's the story. Now, Thanks, you know, I don't think anybody realizes the best part of that story is the fact that it's you, it's Chris Lilly, and it's Jim Minion. If people have any idea of the history and the evolution of barbecue, I mean, literally three of the biggest names ever in the, uh, in the land. And I think... You know, while you and Chris have seen a lot of TV time and, and have been able to kind of raise up to the next level, uh, you know, Jim is kind of, I don't know if he shied away from the limelight or he just kind of hasn't made it. But, you know, if you've ever heard of this thing called the Minion Method, which is literally the <laughs> yeah. most popular way of firing any wood or charcoal fire cooker, I mean, that's the guy that actually came down with it. He, he's a big deal, right? Oh, yeah. Jim's, Jim's a really good barbecue cook and a good friend of mine. Yeah, uh, yeah Jim had kind of put the whole deal together for us. It was a good friend at the time. We didn't even let him cook anything, though, because Chris and I each cooked two <laughs> categories. Jim was like our runner. I mean, you're right. Jim's been, you know, a very accomplished barbecue oh, yeah. cook. And, yes, did invent the Minion Method. And he's, we don't see him much. I talked to him once in a while. But uh, we don't see him much online anymore, so people don't even know what that is. But, yeah, that's really a guy named Jim Minion. Yeah, I've been lucky enough. You know, Chris, Chris Lilly's a good old friend of mine. We've done a lot of fun stuff together, and Jim, and, you know, a lot of the old guys are, we, you know, we're lucky. We did a lot of fun stuff together, and I just, those are my contemporaries, you know. We don't, we don't get around that much to the barbecue circuit anymore, but uh, those are certainly my friends. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, 
in his weekly Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. If you're interested in submitting a question, we got a lot more coming in uh, that we'll be able to answer over the next uh, couple weeks and months. AskDRBBQ.com. That will redirect you to the main site where you can ask questions either through that uh, particular post. You can email them to me. You can email them to Ray. You can Twitter them, however you want. Uh, next week, just so you're aware, Ray, we're going to be talking about temperatures to cook briskets at. So, you know, hone the skills, get back, and uh, we'll see you back here next Wednesday, all right? And I'll be at home. I won't be in some flea bag hotel room. Hey, well, uh, it, I mean, it look it doesn't look like a hooker is going to walk through there at any second, I swear to God. It doesn't. So at least you got that going for you. But uh, we'll talk to you again next Wednesday. All right. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. All right, Ray. Take care. There he is. Main man, Ray Lampy, drbbq.com. That's drbbq.com. And because we don't have any sponsor, I don't roll into a read. I will give you transition music because you can find out more about uh, Ray Lampy. You can submit your questions to me, Greg, at thebbqcentralshow.com. If you want to do that, uh, just in the subject line, put Ask Dr. Barbecue. Uh, you can tweet them at me at BBQ Central Show. And then you can go to askdrbbq.com and submit them through there as well. Many different ways to do it. All right, we're coming back with the Hog with a Heart recap with Kent Wheelis and Phil McGrain right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we're back, 877-448-0433, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com if you want to jump in tonight. Thanks to Ray Lampy for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment, which appears weekly here on the Wednesday edition of the show. And if you have any questions for him, uh, email me, Greg, at thebbqcentralshow, and then the subject line, put Ask Dr. Barbecue. You can also go to the website, askdrbbq.com. All right. Well, I can tell you right now that Skype has no... Uh, no no problem with wreaking havoc on my new users, Kent and Phil McGrain, saying that they haven't uploaded or uh, updated to Skype 5.0 and are hammering them right there in front. How dare you, Skype? How dare you, Skype? All right, but uh, nevertheless, let's head over to the hotline so we can get some recap of the Hog with a Heart class. We go to Kent Wheelis and Phil McGrain joining me here on the show. Gentlemen, appreciate you joining me tonight, and uh, let's just start with Kent, since you're uh, first one on my screen here. Uh, come clean, Kent. Do you not have Skype 5.0 or higher? I, should. I mean, hell, I downloaded it last night, so. So Skype is lying to me. Skype is a scandalous bitch. Damn it. Nevertheless, we need to, and then we have uh, Phil. Phil, are you 5.0 or higher? Uh, I'm on my tablet, so I've got oh. whatever it has, Greg. It, it updated right. recently. Well, uh, what what kind of a tablet do you have? Uh, Galaxy. 
Oh, Android. Wow. You're you're risky compared to a lot of those other tablet buyers out there. I'm a I'm a big Android fan, by the way. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get at it here. My next two guests they won their way on the Hog with a Heart class that was held this weekend at the American Royal. If you recall, we ran a raffle for tickets about a month or so ago, raised uh, just shy of five hundred bucks. Operation Barbecue Relief, the benefactor. Uh, we picked a winner on the live show. Then, without notice, David Marks from Operation Barbecue Relief said, "Pick another." So we did, and the two guys that are joining me right now, Phil McGrain and Kent Wheelis, joining me here on the show to kind of recap it. Uh, Kent, if we could start with you uh, briefly, uh, you know, a little background about yourself. Are, are you a competition cook? If so, how did you get into it? And then we'll kind of get into the class from there after uh, Phil answers. Sure thing. Uh, we started cooking, I guess, about 07 with another team. A uh, little different setup here in Texas. It's a head cook and assistant cook, so I started there. Uh, Really accomplished team, learned my way through it. Uh, I guess 09, head cook said, all right, buddy, it's time for you to go hit it for yourself. Uh, since that time, we've been cooking as Diamond W cooking team, just my wife and I and sometimes my dad. Uh, had some pretty good success when we can get out there uh, and decided we wanted to go see about cooking a whole hog. How big of a surprise or, or how big of a shock was it to you that you got your name pulled to go to the hog with a heart class well being the second guy was huge because you know i heard <laughs> Phil's name get called said, all right good deal and then david said draw another one and i went oh hell and then i think we all remember my response uh yes. you drew my name for the second one there i believe it we called it oh shit i might i might be speaking out of school there but uh i believe that was correct uh phil a little background about you and uh you know how you got into this whole competition barbecue scene well, Greg, that's a, you know, a common question. I was just talking to some folks, and uh, I think I got the barbecue bug. I lived in Alabama uh, for about a year building houses for Habitat, and I'm, a, I'm an Idaho boy, and I always describe this as the black hole of barbecue. If you look at the KCBS site, uh, there were no KCBS competitions in Idaho this year, uh, but I got into it by building my own pit. Uh, we built our pit first. And then I needed an excuse to own such a pit, and so uh, my father-in-law, Lou, uh, we got into it in about 2010, uh, started competing a few of them, you know, had a slow start. But then uh, once you, you know, we got our first call in ribs as a first place in ribs in Salt Lake City, uh, we were a bit and uh, we've been competing and slowly picking it up every year. And this year has been a really hot year for us. We don't have a lot of competitions nearby. The closest one for me this year was four and a half hours away. Oh. Uh, but uh, Lou, Lou lives in Colorado Springs. I live in Boise, Idaho, and we usually try to find any competitions, you know, in Wyoming, Utah, Montana, Colorado, anywhere in the middle that we can catch on to. And uh, it's, it's been good to us this year. All right, so uh, we're talking with Phil McGrain and Kent Wheelis. Uh, they were at the Hog with a Heart class that took place this past weekend. Uh, so if we could get into it a little bit, guys. Um, Phil, when did you show up, and uh, were you were you competing at the American Royal? I was trying to do just about everything possible at the American <laughs> Royal this year. We got an invite to the Invitational, so we had already planned on being there. That made doing the class easy, but it also, by having the class, that uh, added some extra um, time in terms of getting away from work and whatnot. So uh, I took a... I, I, did the drive in about two days, uh, but it was one really long day from Wyoming all the way to Kansas City the night before. So I got in late on Wednesday, and then I tried to get to the class as early as possible. But we did the Invitational. We did the Open. Um, we did the VIP tours. We tried to just soak it up because it was our first time at the Royal. 
Uh, Kent, what about you? Were you uh, going to be competing at the American Royal as well, or was this hog with a heart ticket your reason to go down? Well, we did qualify this year, and we had pretty much made up our mind. We were not going, not going to compete, going to sit it out this year and try to get everything lined out better for next year. So uh, when you drew my name, I said, well, I guess I've got to change it now. <laughs> uh, it was too late to get entered, obviously. So uh, I actually went and uh, helped my buddies out with the Burnt Mean Company, ran boxes for them, and just kind of took in the whole experience and kind of got the lay of the land. So it really worked out good for me. I'm ready for next year. I've got it all figured out now. So I'm showing a great picture, uh, and I believe this is of David. This is obviously of Kent, and, and this is you as well, Phil, right, in this shot? Yep, that's right. Uh, you know, had either of you guys met David Marks before in uh, in prior competition lives? No. As, no. A, as a human being, Kent, how would you rate uh, David Marks? Well, David, obviously, you know, uh, did the second drawing for me, but way we were treated there, I'm going to have to trade him my old ball cap for a crown because we were treated like royalty the whole time we were there by the whole OBR staff. Uh, what about Kent? Uh, how did you uh, how did you find David, and, and how did you kind of find the overall experience? The, Kent's right. The whole the whole time, the people there were just amazing in terms of how they treated him. David and Stan, um, from the moment we showed up, they were so welcoming, and they wanted to make sure we had the best time possible. It, it was awesome how they treated us the entire time. Uh, did I mean did so the day I don't want to say they treated you like celebrities but um, I mean you were treated as the guys that that won this won your way into the contest through the show. Oh, absolutely! Everybody was you know right there shoulder to shoulder, and there was no difference from me to Phil to other guys who paid for the class to people who were there just helping out with OBR, and everybody was top notch. All right, uh, Kent, let me ask your. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Were you talking? Oh, Greg, no. I was just going to add to what Kent was saying that one of the things that I was impressed, and I think probably Kent too, is um, the number of people. It wasn't a very big class. They had gotten a lot of corporate sponsors who'd gotten spots in there, and the corporate sponsors didn't take advantage of it. They didn't send anybody for a lot of it. So thankfully, what? OBR got the money that they were trying to raise, um, but it made it a, a relatively small class, which made it great for us to get to soak it all, soak it all up. How many people were in the class, would you say, then? Uh, official people, there was a bunch of people kind of related, but maybe maybe a dozen. You're kidding! Wow, yeah, I mean, one on one. that's I mean, you're literally almost like one on one type of uh, type of class there. Um, Kent, let me ask you first: Do you have experience with whole hog cooking? Not whole hog. We cook a lot of half wild hog here in Texas, and it's a uh, it's cooked skin off, so it's completely different in the commodity hog. And I'm really itching to try it now. Uh, what about what about you, Phil? Any uh, whole hog experience? Uh, the only experience I took Myron's class once, and I learned whole hog from him. But other than that, I've never cooked a whole hog. I think expectations are high now if I ever do. Um, Kent, let me go back to you just for a quick second. What was your overall feeling of the class? And I guess you know, you know, for me, if it's you know, if I'm going to a you know a sales seminar or something, you know, you're obviously not capturing maybe a hundred percent of the class, but you maybe you're looking for a few big takeaways, impressions of the class, and, and some of the big takeaways for you as far as whole hog and moving forward. The biggest thing I took away was how different all four teams teams trim their hogs up. We saw four completely different presentations that all, from the very beginning, had their own nuances. And 
kind of proved to me there's no right way to trim a hog, but there's a whole lot of wrong ways. What about you, uh, Phil? Any big takeaways? I was just amazed at how open they were to sharing. There were a lot of nuggets and tips that um, for just competition barbecue in general, but how friendly they were and how willing they were to share. One of the, I think one of the coolest parts about it, not just us getting to experience the, the four different ways, which was really cool because I figure most people cook Hulk hog one way and that's the only way they know it, where we got to see a bunch. But I mean, even the competitors teaching us, um, they were loving it because they don't usually get to see each other's work. So like Brad Orson, uh, one, he does exist despite not making it on the show. Uh, uh, he, <laughs> he, uh, you bust his balls uh, for he, that? Please tell me you bust his balls. He was there the entire time, and he was loving it because he'd never seen how these other guys in the Memphis and May uh, competitions cook. Uh, do I, I, I'm showing a picture right now of uh, famous Dave Anderson. Was he part of this as well? Yes, he was. He was. Uh, Phil, he what taught is, us how what to make barbecue sauce on site. So, um, is, I mean, were you able to taste it, Phil? And, and what did you think? Is it something that you would be interested in trying out at a competition or no? The sauce he made and he kind of, he put on, he was teaching us more um, what the different ingredients and especially even giving us some tips if we wanted to commercialize it. Um, but the sauce he made, even he would say wasn't a great sauce, but it was more just to show us the different types of ingredients you can use and how best to use them. Um, but it was just great. How often do you get taught by famous Dave yeah. how to make barbecue sauce? Kent, how, how great of a guy is famous Dave Anderson to talk with, you know, I mean, I've had him on the show once, uh, you know, technically I can't gauge somebody and, and how genuine they are through an interview because obviously it's going out to thousands of people. But, you know, when you're at an event like this and the cameras are off and he's just kind of Dave being Dave, what, what kind of a guy is he? He's one of the most genuine people I think I've ever met. He really, and one of the biggest things is his flavor, his palate is just ridiculous. The guy can taste things that I don't think the normal human can taste and he really cares about conveying that information and how to go about doing that to other people because he really he wants everybody to know what he knows and that came across so well with him just about more so than anybody i've ever met uh phil your take on famous dave meeting him in person and talking with him I, I would echo what Kenza, he was just super friendly. I, right away, I, my first interaction with him is he walked up right next to me and I turned around and I was just like, holy smokes. Uh, <laughs> how often does famous Dave walk right up next to you as we're looking at a whole hog? But he was super friendly. Everyone there was super friendly. It, it was an awesome experience. And and people like that willing to share sometimes secrets that, you know, the barbecue world's not known for sharing secrets. But these guys were all, uh, they wanted to take great care of us and they really did uh, Phil McGrain and Kent Wheel is joining me here on the show, kind of recapping the Hog with a Heart class. Uh, we have a picture of uh, Phil and Brad Orson up right now. Uh, Phil, do you think the people who paid full boat to get into this class got their money's worth? Did you get some feedback from them after the fact? Absolutely. I think one of the great things, because it was small, we all got to really know each other um, and interact. So uh, Kent and I spent a lot of time, a guy named Smitty, we spent a bunch of time with. Um, and we got to soak it up. But I think the class's value was way more because you had – I'm surprised there weren't more people. Um, I think it was because it was a KCBS contest. But if you're an MBN cook, you couldn't find a better class out there. Um, when you have John Wheeler um, and 
uh, all these other guys teaching you whole hog and and really willing to walk you through exactly how they do it and what they're doing. I, it was really over the top. And that, that that's just the whole hog portion, not to mention you had Famous Dave. We had uh, Dave Bosca showed up, DivaQ showed up, um, a lot of different people showing up, offering lots of tips. Uh Kent, your thoughts, uh, people that you talk to, people think that they uh, got their money's worth on that? I think everybody there really thought they did. And I'll tell you, going back, uh, I will purchase a ticket next year going forward. It would be a bargain at twice the price. To get that kind of information, if you look at everything we got to see over that two days, from going to the original Wands factory to talk about co-packing your sauces to your current MBM Team of the Year that's in the lead and three past champions to see everything they do and get that kind of access. It was a bargain. Uh, Kent, let me uh, ask you the last question and then we'll uh, end with Phil. Your experience overall at the Royal this year, is this, you know, some place that, you know, even the most peripheral fan needs to hit at some point? I would say absolutely. Uh, we've been involved in barbecue since round 07 competitively. And the experience there was unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, I thought we had some big contests here with the San Antonio Rodeo and Houston Rodeo. We don't know anything about a big contest. Just walking around the lot is worth itself going. Uh, everything at the Royal is top-notch. I can't wait to go back and compete. That was the hardest thing for me was being there and not firing up a cooker and trying my hand at it. Uh, Phil, final thoughts about your experience at the Royal this year, and uh, again, you know, is this something that a, even a peripheral fan needs to experience at some point? I think so. I, I think it should be on everybody's barbecue bucket list because it is so over the top, and there's nothing else that's even remotely like it. Um, the experience was amazing. This I, I've been trying to describe the size and the the parties and stuff that were going on, but you just can't describe it until you experience it, and just. There's few places that have so many barbecue vendors and uh, just, I mean, soaking up barbecue there. And and one of the things I'll just add, kind of a closing thing, is the people at Operation Barbecue Relief, they are awesome. The things they did, um, not just for us, but for everyone there, um, David Marks especially, um, the the advice he put gave us on you know, the business of barbecue was uh, he'd be well worth just to talk about the business of barbecue having on the show sometime because he had so much information to pass on to us. And they were just great the entire time. Uh, I would suggest even if you're just a barbecue fan, you go to the Royal sometime because you can almost soak it up better than the competitors because you're not distracted by the competition during the whole event. Uh, Kent, were you able to take in the Hall of Fame, uh, the Barbecue Hall of Fame uh, ceremony at all by chance? I caught part of it. Uh, we uh, ended up at the Western Wood booth. Uh, Might have had a few too many beers, so I missed a little bit of it. But we did catch uh, bits and pieces. Uh, is it well attended? There seemed to be quite a few people standing around. Uh, mainly, you know, there was a, a whole celebrity thing going. And there's so much traffic right there where that stage was. It made, I'm sure it made it look like a lot more people. Do, do you have a Kent Wheelis thumbnail count? Uh, I would guess there would probably be 400 people standing out there. 400? Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Phil, were you able to take in the uh, Barbecue Hall of Fame uh, ceremony? I, I uh, came in late, and okay. I just saw Myron's inter, uh, induction, so I got to see that part of it. I think the number count that Kent has is probably about right. Um, I probably have similar views to you on a lot of it, Greg. 
Um, so it, for someone who was there, it was, it, I think it was, it was interesting, but it wasn't as big of a show compared to a lot of other stuff going on throughout the, the weekend. Uh, we're talking with Kent Wheelis and Phil McGrain. They were taking in the Operation Barbecue Relief Hog with a Heart class. Uh, they took part in the raffle for fundraising, and uh, we drew Phil's name first, Kent name second, just kind of uh, Dave saying, hey, pick a second name because we like the way you do and uh, how you've helped us uh, show and Operation Barbecue Relief in the past. So, uh, gentlemen, I'm, I'm really glad that uh, both of you were selected and were able to take in this event and certainly I most appreciate the fact that you're able to come on and kind of uh, recount the experience. Uh, continued success to both of you, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, Greg, one last thing. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that the show Karma helps me out. Uh, we're headed to Bentonville, and I always figure people confuse Iowa and Idaho. So <laughs> I'm hoping you're as confused as anyone, and uh, the show Karma will pay off here soon. You know, look, I know the difference between Iowa and Idaho because John Dawson lives in Boise, Idaho, from uh, Patio Daddio Barbecue Fan, believe it or not. So, you know, he's the, probably the only other barbecue guy that lives in Iowa. Or uh, right, I, I Idaho. Right. Sorry, Idaho. <laughs> wow. A lot of potatoes out there, right? Right. Yeah, you never heard that well, before. thank you, Greg. Yeah, no problem, guys. All right, thanks for coming on tonight. There they are. Phil McGrain, Kent Wheelis. Hog with a heart recap. Doesn't get any better than that. Can't beat it. Can't whip it with a switch. Can't beat it with a stick. Who said that? Did Kent say that it would be well worth the price at $3,000? Uh-oh. Whoa. Remember, folks, that class was $1,500. But from first-hand accounts, well worth every penny. Potentially well worth twice more than that if you're looking to spend some cash. Why not spend some cash? It's fine. All right. Uh, all the way back at 914, we talked with Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, for his weekly Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. We covered a lot of stuff in the U.K. Uh, we did cover... At the end, a garlic beans inside story there. Glad he laid it out. Uh, he'll be back next week. A big show planned for next Tuesday already. I believe we are completely loaded out for guests. Maybe uh, I might have left one open because the Sam's Club, the last regional Sam's Club is taking place this weekend. Uh, coming up on the 15th, which is next Tuesday, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. Uh, Ronnie Lotz from Cigars and Stripes in Chicago, first-time guest. Uh, my favorite recurring guest, semi-recurring guest, Ted Reader, is also in. And uh, we'll probably mix in a regional interview with... Uh, we'll probably mix an interview with the regional winner at uh, Midwest City, Oklahoma. Uh before we go, if you have raw cast iron, season it each and every time you use it. Little pan, little Crisco, let it burn back in. Generations of rust free service, swear to God. Also, September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe. Good night now. <laughs>